This is the Guru's Dead Podcast, and I am your host, Marcus Wu. This week I'm joined by a friend, Balaji Srinivasan. Balaji, age 26, is an entrepreneur, psychonaut, and meditator born in India and based in the San Francisco Bay Area. In this conversation, we explore his background growing up in the spiritual context of Hindu India, becoming an atheist, returning to spirituality after experiencing psychedelics, and the importance of these experiences on the deepening of consciousness. So I hope you enjoy. All right. Well, I just want to say thanks for joining me, Balaji, today. Thanks for having me. So um, I kind of want to start out with asking you, like, what was your door into spirituality? Like, did you grow up kind of in that kind of atmosphere with your family? Like, how, what was your um, your entryway into the world of spirituality and or religion? Sure. Um, so I I grew up in India, and I grew up in a in a traditionally uh, religious Hindu family. So uh, that was that's how it started from when I was a kid, going to Hindu temples and then being following the Hindu traditions and practices. And growing up in India, even my school had things like meditation uh, practices every morning. Every morning, every kid in the school used to meditate for about for, for 10 to 20 minutes uh, in the mornings. So that was really amazing and very progressive in my opinion. But then I, I went through the entire journey as I grew a little older in my teens and towards the later stages uh, during my undergrad, I started falling out out of spirituality. I became like an atheist. Uh, I was like, you know, what's God? That's not real. It's, it's all superstition. It's magical. Uh, and I remember arguing with my parents and, and others that you know, religion, any sort of organized religion is detrimental to humanity. So, but yeah, that's, that, that's, what I, that's where I was at a few years back. But then, I, you know, I came across a lot of different types of speakers and I had a few different types of experiences, which again got me into spirituality. Yeah. So how did you get to that point of becoming an atheist and, you know, being anti-God and all of that when you kind of grew up in an atmosphere that was imbued with spirituality and religion? How, how did you come to the opposite place? I think I think this is something that a lot of kids, a lot of people growing up go through. Once they actually start understanding the universe, they start grasping things like science, math, and the like, they maybe start questioning spirituality and religion. And and maybe growing up in a in a in, a, in such a communal environment, uh, like in India where it's got all sorts of different religions, the, the caste system, and seeing all that growing up for me, it just seemed like organized religion was just another way to segment people into these categories and discriminate or oppress. And, and you know, it just, it just seemed supernatural. Oh, there's this mythical entity, God, somebody is, is watching over you all the time and you need to be good in order to satisfy him. Uh, that just started, that just stopped making sense after a point. You just get older and that just stopped making sense. Plus, you know, I went through maybe certain hardships, frustrations in life, frustrations with just seeing society as a whole, maybe. I am like, you know what, if there's actually a God, what the hell is he or she doing? Why aren't they taking care of the of these problems? Right? Would you say the spiritual you grew up with was more kind of faith-based and or ritual-based versus, you know, deep consciousness or understanding kind of the deeper Yeah. Problems? 
yeah i would say it was it was more faith based and ritual based so i did not really understand uh, some of the really ancient teachings of hinduism for example i just knew that oh these are these various types of gods and these are these different types of rituals and traditions i i didn't really understand the why of a lot of the things i didn't really yeah i didn't really have a very good understanding of some of these philosophies at the beginning i was just like there's no god that's it that that was my thing yeah yeah so so even the, the like the 10 minute meditation you would do in school what kind of instructions would they give you that was although the meditation practice was devoid of any sort of religious context it would be things like breathing in breathing out sit in a particular posture back straight but that's that's about it they, and there'd be some sort of instructions as well along with that but for the most part breathe in breathe out there is there is no uh, mention of silencing your your monkey mind so to speak as they say in meditation none of that it was just breathe in breathe out it refreshes you in the morning before you start your classes i see so on um, the practices they gave you were pretty secular and disconnected um outside of context kind of of spirituality yeah yeah i'd say so but although the school itself was firmly rooted in hindu tradition i see was it like a public school or a private school it was a private school and uh, well if i may one of the best one of the top schools in the country actually and and what was your kind of your family's orientation towards spirituality were they very devout were they i think i think there was a balance of both because a lot of my family members are engineers and doctors and they came out from a very hard science background so it's not like although they were very traditional in terms of religion uh, regularly visiting temples regularly praying and 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 worshiping and all these things they they were secular in their beliefs sort of they it was still science based they trusted uh, modernity and science although although i'd say older members of my family did grasp a lot of the nuances and sophistications of the hindu tradition maybe i just didn't pick it up from them So as you kind of grew older, you know, how how old would you say when you started to kind of become more science-based and oh maybe god doesn't exist and all these kinds of things? What how old were you when that started happening? I think I think it started uh sometime when I was finishing up my undergrad, during my undergrad, uh while finishing up my undergrad. Right now it seems trivial, but at the time, uh, whatever difficulties I was going through seemed to be the end of the world at the time. Whether it was like looking for jobs or applying for grad school abroad or or just many other things. uh and things weren't working out uh as like you know what i i i started criticizing religion and also just reading and listening to a lot of secular thinkers out there like sam harris and richard dawkins christopher hitchens so people like this who are just so hard on on uh, organized religion so they really really uh, they make solid arguments against religion and why all of us need to adopt a a secular materialistic view of the world i'd say that was that was my transition i was never really a super religious person growing up i would go to temples and pray and do all these rituals and ceremonies only because my family wanted me to it was always a thing that i did just to appease my family so it was it was really natural and easy to become an atheist so when you grew up as more was more kind of cultural based spirituality in some sense yes yes Okay. And so and so after college, what was kind of the the turning point for you where you kind of was like, okay, well, you know, maybe it's maybe these atheists, you know, not are not totally right. I mean, there's more to it than what they're saying. 
So as I was going through this phase of atheism, listening to someone like maybe Sam Harris, reading his book, Waking Up, it sort of redefined what spirituality means. And it, for the first time, for me personally, it opened up the possibility of spirituality is not actually anything to do with religion, actually, if, if you see it that way. So I think some of Sam Harris and, uh, and some, some others really helped in that sort of view of spirituality. But I'd say uh, I really got spiritual and really became interested in spirituality once I uh, had some uh, plant medicines, some experiences based on some psychedelic plant medicines. Once I moved to the U.S., maybe about two years to two and a half years back. That's a, that's my a true entry point into spirituality, I'd say. Got it. And and so, what made you want to try that plant medicine? Was there just why were you curious about it? I think you know I was I was just a kid who was smoking pot growing up, just like you would, right? Any kid growing up, it just seems like just one of those things that you do. And so, and then I heard about many of these other things, uh, these plant medicines like LSD, mushrooms, and the and the others. So, and I was always fascinated by them. And I used to read up all about them. I used to read up, read uh, James Fadiman's book about psychedelics. And I was always super fascinated for a long time, even though I couldn't get my hands on any any of these medicines. So yeah, I guess I, I was just a kid who was looking for a better high when I probably tried LSD for the first time. Yeah, we can get into a little more depth into that, but that's how it started. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you weren't necessarily looking for a spiritual insight. It was kind of just like, oh, you know, trying different things, experimenting, being a college kid, um, and exploring new territory. Yes. So what what changed when you took some of these plant medicines? What what kind of what experience did you have, and how did that kind of inform your view of of the world? So I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to uh, describe these experiences and tell what were the takeaways for me, but. It's important for me to preface that preface by saying that no matter how hard I try to describe it, there's there's this if you have not done it, you probably don't understand what exactly I mean. Yeah. Yeah, but but anyway, let me let me give it a shot. <laughs> do your best. Do your best. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I've I've done I've only ever done LSD or acid. Uh, I haven't done any other medicine. So I guess I tried it. I tried it, tried it a couple of times, and having read all about it for at least a year prior to that, uh, I was a little disappointed with the first one or two experiences uh, because I'm still, you know, figuring out how much I should do. Disappointed because I knew I'd read so much about the experience that it could do so much, but it did not fulfill my expectations. So then, I think on my third time, I upped the dosage a little bit. And that's when I think I truly had like a spiritual experience. I can I can never forget that that particular trip. I came out of out of that just completely blown away. The next morning I was like, what the hell happened last night? And yeah, initially I just came out of it with a lot of questions, a lot of burning questions. I did not know what the hell that experience was. I really needed answers. So that's when I started really digging in. I started reading books, reading people experiences and really digging into that uh, but eventually over time over all the number of experiences that I've had there were a lot of takeaways my 
my perspective of the world and myself just completely uh, turned upside down that's the thing with these medicines that when people for people who've never had never entered any sort of altered state of consciousness it's really hard for people to imagine even any other way of waking consciousness other than how they are normally how they are in their everyday everyday reality that's what people are used to so i think at the very beginning that's what it's going to do to you you're going to be like this is this is unlike anything i've ever done unlike any other quote and quote drug out there so that was my initial initial takeaways i came out with a lot of questions and it was the most beautiful and magical and like life affirming inspiring experience but i was still like okay what is that and then after many more experiences and and just consuming tons and tons of information about uh, various states of consciousness i i got a much more firmer grasp on on what it all means different types of flow states meditative states spirituality so yeah i think that's how that's how that's how it happened yeah well, so what do you what do you think are you know people's um, most common misconceptions about lsd i mean cuz i think people have a lot of ideas oh it'll damage your brain permanently and all these kinds of things what, what do you think are kind of common misconceptions about it yeah as the history goes right from from the the counterculture era in the 60s unfortunately due to due to the way it was introduced into society and how people were using it and advocates of it like Tim Leary uh, and all these other this group of people uh, because of the history behind it and because of all of that it's still perceived uh, in society as kind of a little bit of a party drug uh, so considered kind of harmful there are a lot of myths surrounding this um back in the 60s i know that uh, there are all these newspaper articles and press coverage around how people are going crazy or people are jumping off of skyscrapers after they ingesting acid um so no none of that is true uh having having had several experiences first hand and also after listening to so many people who have done it i think it's safe to say that if you don't have any history of trauma or tragedy or extreme tragedy in your life uh, some, you know i'm talking like you're a war veteran who's just come back from iraq or you've had, you've, you've lost a really a loved one recently or you're going through a bad breakup or job loss or something like that unless you've had some really big problems and you you have some deep seated trauma if you don't have that i would highly recommend it and i would just say that if you take care of the set the setting as they say and you take the right precautions at the right environment uh, i think it's uh, i would recommend it to anybody yeah i mean i think you know psychedelics for me also i mean i think i think they're coming right now there's a lot of kind of spotlight on psychedelics mainly partially because of michael pollan's book but i think there are a lot of people who want to bring back psychedelics into therapeutic use for clinical types of psychological issues but also you know on the spiritual realm uh, it seems to be getting more steam for me i, I mean I, i'm actually quite interested in terms of the context of using psychedelics on a spiritual path right and how it can augment it and or create doors for for people to do that and go further in, into their into their path and you know i i know i mean we've had a couple conversations about this so i'll just share with the listeners you know i've had for one one experience with lsd and it was not in a controlled setting per se or and i probably had a small pretty small dose but basically what happened was 
where I took one drop, I think it was probably, which was probably what, 100 milligrams or something, and split it with a friend. And we're like, oh, it's LSD. It's going to be really psychedelic and, you know, have all these ideas about it. Didn't know what it was. So we watched the sunrise come up and we took, you know, we both took half of this um, solution. And about 30 minutes later, we're like, oh, it's just nothing. It's a nice sunset, but nothing's happening. An hour later, same thing. Two hours later, we're like, okay, I guess nothing's happening. But we're just going to have, have, have breakfast. So we had breakfast and my friend actually left and we kind of went our separate ways. And I just really thought nothing of it. I was like, oh, this is a dud, you know, nothing really happened. And probably about three or four hours later, I, I, and for me, I was at that at that time in my life, it was about 10 years ago. Um, I had been doing a lot of serious meditation um, in different contexts, a lot of pretty intense yoga. I was living in India for a couple of years. And for me, it was really in the context of like wanting to understand my own self, my own spirituality better. And I wasn't doing it for recreational purposes. I was really doing it for, to, you know, see, understand my mind more. And so, you know, about, anyway, so about four hours after you know, we had breakfast and we left and everything. I was like, huh, something is different. You know, I was like, it was really, it was kind of subtle, but it was like very different. And I, and I think later on, maybe about a day later, I was like, oh, okay, that's something, something just woke up. Like something is just really aware right now. And I'm really aware of what that awareness is. And I think, you know, within, within certain traditions, they kind of talk about it as, you know, the, the like a, an awake awareness that's always with you. The sense of just like effortless mindfulness in, in, in a way. Right. It's that that sense of this consciousness that's beyond that can just that witnessing consciousness in, in a sense. So that was my first like very well. And the thing is, it lasted for two weeks. So for two weeks straight, I just was very, very aware of this awareness I mean, in, in every situation. I could feel my mind, my personality sometimes get tired, you know, at night at nighttime. But I would just lay, lay in bed just like awake and really tired at the same time. So I could feel both things happening. Like it doesn't matter what's happening in your personality, in your ego, you know, st- structure. There's an awareness that's behind that or that's that enables the rest to happen. So that was kind of like my real first and prolonged kind of exposure to that awareness. And I think it was a pointing out to me in, in a sense. Because I've, you know, had different, at that time I would ha- I'd had a lot of different Tibetan teachings and pointing out of the minds and Dzogchen this and different tantric rituals and all that kind of stuff. And I had these like tiny glimpses of what it would, you know, what it tasted like, but that was something that was like prolonged and like very noticeable. And it was actually uncomfortable in, in some ways because I, I couldn't really handle it. Um, I didn't really know how to integrate that into my life. And about two weeks later, it kind of wore off, but it was like, wow, that was a really pretty big eye opener. And that led yeah. to further discoveries for me, you know, like I think a couple, like a year later, I was doing a retreat on my own, kind of more in a non-dual tradition. And I woke that part up of myself again, you know, without any, any use of, of any kind of substances. Right. And so it was, but it, but I remembered it, like it was more of a remembering than it was like, Oh, this is like something I've discovered. It's like, Oh no, this, this is, this is what, this is what it was. Right. And that kind of built another foundation to go even, even further. So um, I've always been really interested in kind of understanding psychedelics in that context of how can that be a doorway or, you know, a boost or a pointer or something to help you set a foundation and or push yourself to go right. further. I think so, yeah. Um, what you just described is what some people like to call the glow that you have after the experience. And you're absolutely right. I uh, Even after about my, some of my first trips, for the next week, couple of weeks, it was just like, first of all, my visual acuity increased, acuity. So like the colors seemed a little brighter. And like, and just this sort of everything about life is beautiful. 
even the most disgusting thing you see on the road while walking is beautiful something inherently beautiful in everything if you decide to pay enough attention to it right with the quality of attention that makes it beautiful versus yeah the quality of it and also like the just the bare witnessing of it right you're not it's not you're not saying it's good or bad in your mind it's just like it's there it's real life completely unconditional yeah yeah i can completely relate to that and and the thing about you said about uh you remembering it a year later for a lot of people who have had just one or maybe a handful of psychedelic experiences they have long lasting changes for the rest of their lives in many cases just from the memory of the experience so even if they've had an experience just once that that powerful experience however powerful that was it sticks with them for months and years in their lives so that is that is how powerful this can be yeah absolutely i mean it's it is uh really life changing so, so for you i mean how did your kind of world reorient after going along this path and and i guess where do you see it going sure um so i think i think before doing acid i i really did not have any clue about spirituality i didn't i didn't know a lot of things for sure i'd say it really woke me up after trying these substances it just really woke me up to a lot of different things to a different mode of being it it altered a lot of my belief systems as well in the sense it it shattered all of all of my belief systems everything that i thought the world was and i thought about myself all of that in an instant was just not an instant actually like 16 hours <laughs> it was all gone and so it was it was like regaining all of that and searching for answers and so how i how did it affect me definitely started paying a lot more closer attention to all of the eastern traditions like some a lot of the ancient texts in hinduism in in buddhism the teachings of buddhism and uh taoism for me personally taoism has especially been really appealing to me i i find it just so poetic and beautiful and profound so uh but yeah i i've i've learned a lot about different spiritual traditions even western philosophy like greek philosophy and different shamanic traditions in the world and i have i have a much better understanding of what spirituality is what these different philosophies are trying to tell us and for me in terms of my mode of being i'd say there was just an explosion of creativity for me personally i was making all sorts of novel connections that i just could not it was like yeah I, everything started making sense almost it was like or oh, when i see something i start connecting it to some other instances that's what creativity is right associational thinking being able to connect seemingly disparate things so this i felt like there was a creative explosion in my head and there's just this incredible curiosity to know more so when i said i have a lot of answers after my trips i mean i had a lot of questions so when i was looking for the answers i literally poured devoured through tons and tons of stuff that i would include science things like quantum mechanics neuroscience biology anthropology sociology history and 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 of course philosophy spirituality so i was reading about and i started paying attention to my own thoughts and emotions in my head i think it really opens you up to the possibility that you are not necessarily the thoughts that are constantly running in your head you are not that there is a certain level of detachment that can be achieved and i think this goes to the uh, the ego death ex 
experience that you uh, have while on psychedelics so that's when you truly realize oh my god you once this this thing this constant chattering in your mind this this thing that you call you once that's completely gone there's nothing but pure awareness so it's almost like a new found skill for me so i was able to just like zoom out and see things from a big picture perspective really detach myself from that take out the ego and see myself as just another piece in a large system so that sort of perspective uh, that level of detachment from your thoughts i don't think i don't think it's really possible unless you're a deep meditation practitioner that is you've been practicing meditation for many years and you're really really good at it or if you've had a psychedelic experience unless you've done these things i don't see how you'll be able to understand that because since having done psychedelics i've, I've i'm a frequent meditation practitioner too having practiced meditation before doing psychedelics and after doing psychedelics i see a lot of difference yeah so what, let's dig into that a little more what's what's the difference that you find and what kind of meditation are you doing so i'd say i'm i'm doing a vipassana meditation like guinka style or which style uh i'm not i'm not sure of the style it's it's a it's a practice of just being just being observant you're constantly observing all the thoughts and emotions in your head all the sensations and feelings in your body outside your body so more like a naked awareness like your awareness is not really directed anywhere specifically just keep paying attention okay so sort of keep pay, pay attention to yourself paying attention metacognition so that sort of thing so there's a lot there's emphasis on breathing as well deep breaths and deep breaths out okay so the difference i'd say is this uh that is the big difference that i am not my thoughts and it is absolutely possible to go just drop into this zone of emptiness almost void sort of space and you know when when i talk with there are tons of meditation practitioners people are really adopting mindfulness and meditation in today's age but 90% of them most of them if you speak to them they don't really understand the part about silencing the monkey mind and achieving a certain level a certain level of detachment they don't really get that when i talk to people about that they don't really understand what that even means because they're so caught up at voice uh they think that is them oh that's me no if you actually dial it down you're just pure awareness and you can actually pay attention to it like a river flowing right i think also is you know people are taught to do mindfulness meditation but they're not given any context for it exactly so they're taught of as as a way to calm the mind and to relax and all these things and which it is but if you don't have a larger larger context of why you're doing it and basically you're trying to understand who you are on an identity level right and kind of detach from your thoughts and and right. as your as as self if you don't get that part if you don't if you're not given that context then you can't understand the deeper benefits of mindfulness which is one of my pet peeves about the whole mindfulness movement is it's really superficial um in my opinion it's great it's it's offered as a technique a very secular technique with no context and therefore it doesn't really have deep transformative power and i th- i feel like the next wave of spirituality uh not able to hear you no i'm just saying i think it's great to teach mindfulness as a tool for health but it it can be much much more than that and i think the next next stage of kind of mindfulness as it's kind of taught in the west is to integrate the deeper context of it and so you know i'm i'm i kind of I'm always interested in kind of how to deepen it and how to go a little bit further yeah people don't really get the why of the practice when people say that they meditate to reduce stress in their life 
it's a little superficial for me. It's like it's a little laughable because, of course, of course, reducing stress in your life is is a byproduct of meditation. But the larger context, the larger why of of doing meditation, you you still haven't understood that. That's what I feel. Well, and and the thing is, you know, not everyone's looking for that. You know, not everyone's really interested in those questions. They just want to live their life and have a little little help along the way. And I think that's totally fine. Sure. Um, it's not for everyone. You know, you, you can't force everyone to want want to go understand the deeper questions. It's just not. I think that's just not realistic. Right. But I think for people who who understand the context, um, who do want to, for them to have the tools and ways to do that that are not necessarily religious, but you know, have a deeper spiritual context. I think that's important to provide, provide people different pathways. Yeah, I think you're right. And and so, I, and then back up a little bit. Okay, so I forgot to mention, so the, the title of this podcast, right, is, is, is The Guru is Dead, uh, Long Live the Guru. And, and the sense of it is, you know, the guru is dead. It's kind of a play on Nietzsche, God is dead. But the sense of traditional structures of, of religion and spirituality, um, I feel like are falling away or fundamentally changing, right? And the you know the long live the guru part is uh, kind of about succession right so there's something that's you know the hierarchical student versus versus not student versus but guru and student where the guru is the wisdom holder and the student you know is the one who is always seeking and trying to learn um, that hierarchical model I feel like is changing toward, towards more peer to peer learning where we learn from each other right we learn from all the resources that are available right now on the internet right decentralized peer to peer learning and it sounds like you know what I really love about hearing other people's stories and I think and this is also true of your story as well, is you know, because you had access to all these different traditions and books on psychedelics and spirituality and meditation, you were able to learn much, much quicker than if it were just a purely, you know, I go to the temple to talk with, you know, with my guru about, you know, this practice that I'm doing, right? So I, I mean, maybe I was curious about understanding maybe how you see your spiritual path and have you had teachers, you know, and not to say that the teachers are not necessary. I think teachers are great. Um, but the role of the teacher, I think, is changing quite a bit. So I'm just curious about your, in your path, how has the role of the teacher played in a role for you? And then, you know, also this, this other sense of, you know, having access to teachings that are outside of a traditional context. How has that um, influenced you? I think so far in my spiritual journey, I'd say that most of the discovery and most of the knowledge acquisition has happened on my own. Uh, like you said, either learn through through peers of mine or through, for the most part, reading books and reading reading things online, watching videos, this sort of thing. So in 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 a spiritual context, I wouldn't say I've really had any gurus, but actually I do think there is value to having a mentor figure who uh, guiding you, ushering you into the world of spirituality. Because although I think information, knowledge, wisdom, whatever you want to call it, has been greatly democratized today. Anybody can just get access to anything at the click of a finger. I do think there are a lot of lot of teachings that the only way to gain a lot of wisdom is from proper guru. And because it's just not out there. There are lineages of gurus in various traditions, shamans, sages, and these people don't a lot of the wisdom is just passed down from generation to generation or taught to a few handful of people few students it's not really documented anywhere recorded in any sort of document so and actually i've 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 been seeking some sort of spiritual guidance for a while now and i'm i'm, I'm when i say spiritual guidance, i'm looking for a real real 
sage, you know, I've, I've even thought about maybe visiting the Himalayas or sometime, sometime going to an ashram in India, doing things like that. So I think there's a lot of value to that. What, what are you looking for specifically, like in, in, a, in a guru type or a teacher or mentor? I, I maybe even have the answers already to some of the questions, but uh, I guess I'm just looking for more meaning, you know. Um, what is the purpose of anything? We all know life is inherently meaningless and empty, but then what's the point of everything? Why should I be doing this and not that? Why should I be doing whatever I'm doing with my life now? Maybe not going into a life of complete solitude and just meditation and, you know, if nothing really matters, then what's the point of it all? And, you know, a lot of lot of uh, philosophical, metaphysical questions around really deep, big things, I guess, the universe. And I do think, you know, there are people out there who are capable of doing what we might call, quote-unquote, miracles. Yeah, like, I, I do think there are people with some, some level of supernatural power, probably. And and yeah, I've heard of I've heard a lot of stories about great mystics like this. You must have heard of Neem Karoli Baba, who was who was this guru who used to live in India, uh, and he he passed away in the seventies. So for example, this guy used to you know he used to just know things out of out of nowhere. He used to know things about people. He you know he used to know things about what's going to happen in the future. And this was before the time of computers and internet, and there's no fa- there's no way for him to have known these things about, uh, you know, Ramdas, Richard Alpert, who he went to visit, and all these people. You hear all these stories. How the hell did this guy Neem Karoli Baba do all these things? How did he predict? How did he say? You know, uh, and there's so many other stories of people having powers of clairvoyance and things like that, right? And the reason why. It's not mainstream and people dismiss it as, as just fake is because the reason I said these great, great lineages, great masters, they don't really share this sort of deep wisdom with everybody. So you, even, even you, even for you to find somebody like that who is willing to teach you is, is such a huge uh, task. Very difficult. So, so what, um, what interests you about because I think there's, there's, you know, part of the spiritual path also, there's a lot of intrigue, you know, because of the mysterious powers that, you know, sages or, or things will have. And, and for my part, definitely been interested in that on my path, especially with Tibetan Buddhism. You have these incredible masters who lived in Tibet or ones that moved into diaspora India, and they were said to have these incredible powers of clairvoyance or whatnot. If you read, there's this autobiography of Toko Ergen written, at, I forget what the name of it's called, but it's like, like it's it was he and when he lived and he I think he passed away in like the eighties but it was basically from like late nineteenth century Tibet until you know like nineteen eighties and the the things that are written about him like he wouldn't they think it's was not just like it was just made up like you know he would like piss out um, you know gems and things and he would fly and he would you know like do these <laughs> like he would like like clone himself and do astral travel and all these kinds of things and and in, in, in some sense it's it's interesting but they all i mean and in Spencer's and they always emphasize this too it's like they're like yeah we can do all these things but it really doesn't matter what matters is knowing you know who you really are right and being free from suffering and all of that like the other stuff comes if it comes and you can there are ways to learn that if you want to but it's also a trap like it's a big trap it can be a huge trap to you know all, all you're doing is going after these powers 
and becoming more and more sort of like tightly grasping them and losing sight of what the what real enlightenment is, what real awakening and freedom is. So I think you know, there's definitely the perils along the path, and one of the perils could be you know just chasing the city, the cities basically, right? Because they sound really cool. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that stuff, right? Right. Yeah, I guess you know, there, it's a little bit selfish in that aspect, but even 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 if not necessarily to actually gain those skills and actually be able to do those things, even aren't you just curious? Like, how is he doing that? If you're coming from a very scientific reductionist view, you're like, how how do they do that, right? So, but no, it's not just that. I do have a lot of lot of questions about just philosophical questions. I'd say about life and death and and sorrow and things like that. So that's why I guess. And having said that, like I said, I I probably already know the answer to that i can give answers to the questions that i just posed yeah. to you but i guess i was just wanted to be uh reaffirmed by somebody who's wiser than me yeah no, i totally i totally get it i totally totally understand and you know i, I spent a lot of years guru chasing as well which is maybe <laughs> the reason i'm naming the guru this podcast the guru is dead but that that sense of of wanting that external validation or having someone take you under their wing or being part of a tradition, right. you know, where you're a part of something that's, you know, that's not just you grasping at air, trying to figure out what's going on. You know, that's all really, I think it is really attractive. And I think, but I think in some sense, I mean, for me, I think it was definitely necessary to, to, to do that, to try to find that. And, and for me failing, I think a lot of people do succeed and they have their teacher and they have their, their guru. But for me, it's just, it wasn't really a fit. I think just the, you know, part of it, that's kind of my path is, trying all these things, you know, doing a lot of guru guru seeking and, and finding finding that, well, you know what, maybe maybe things aren't for me, it's it's a little bit different. The path is a little bit different. I have to kind of find my own way. So um anyway, okay, so <laughs> and there's a lot we could a lot more we could talk about. Um one thing I just want to touch on was the sense of integration too, right? So the spiritual path is happening all along why where your life is happening. Right. And so and I know talked a little about entrepreneurship. I know you're an entrepreneur. Maybe maybe not to make the question too big, but as this, you know, so your spiritual path was developing and forming, how did that impact your, you know, your mission or your career, your life work? Did that shift as uh, during this time as well? Uh yeah. yeah. I think so. I think where I see myself in the universe right now, the biggest one of the biggest takeaways is that it's not really about you. That is, it's not about biology. I started seeing myself more as a vessel, as a mere conduit for the universe to manifest itself. So what's important is giving something of value, something lasting to humanity. Because in human history, in, in the time scale of the earth, and of even our humanity's existence, our lifespans are nothing. They, they account for so little. It really doesn't matter in the grander scheme of things, our existence. But what matters, though, is what you might leave behind. All these great people throughout history, uh, whatever they've done, and it's you know not, not not necessarily something big, some really important contributions to humanity. Not necessarily that, but it's what you leave behind. It's not about you. It's about the people around you. It's about contributing to something bigger than yourself. That's one of my biggest takeaways i'm like you know what even after i'm gone all it's going to take is one or two more generations for even my own lineage to not know who i am to not even know my name to not know how i looked right 
so it's it actually is not about you you're caught up in your everyday existence but you're pushing the ball forward on on a much bigger scale you are one cog in a giant machine and you're doing maybe 0.1% of the 100% that's required whatever that 100% means yeah i mean i think looking at that, that larger horizon right of what matters and you know reshaping what you you know what you can contribute within that that scope that's a huge shift right well most people are just concerned with can i take a better selfie today you know it's no really concern for you know that larger time time frame or scale or scope of existence so balakats yeah so i don't want to take too much of your time but i really appreciate just chatting you know and kind of um going over these topics and getting a better sense of your path um and and rumi again how old are you uh 25 turning 26 in like 20 20 days maybe oh my birthday i don't talk to you then thank you <laughs> and i i just find it really inspiring to talk with millennials and zenials and just young people in general about spirituality because when i was on my path it was there were very very few friends that i had like to talk to i mean pretty much every retreat that i went to or every event or meditation that i did it was pretty much 50 years and older so for me i i really want to share these stories and really talk to young people about their their spirituality and their path as a contribution to the larger conversation about how can we learn from each other right how can we understand our own mission or life work and how that all ties together so thank you so much yeah absolutely no uh i think what you're doing with this with this podcast and the premise for this podcast is really fantastic because you are really getting the word out in in some sense like michael pollan actually you're uh you're getting the word out and you're you're uh removing the taboo from from some of these plant medicines that we discussed and spirituality adopting a more secular view of spirituality so i think what you're doing is really relevant and important so yeah i'm i'm super happy to have spoken with you and i uh, would love to do this again sometime Yeah, maybe <laughs> the next acid trip. What's going to the podcast? All right, we're just live podcast right here. Yeah. <laughs> What do you experience? <laughs> that might be a first, you know, Facebook live. That might get people into spirituality. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We've got the next Joe Rogan here. Okay, everyone, I'm on acid. Ask me anything you want to. <laughs> Facebook live your questions in. <laughs> That would be kind of incredible actually. Is there anything anything we didn't cover that you would that you would like to cover or talk about? Yeah, absolutely. my company village is organizing a trip to india for 20 days for 50 individuals in february of next year and it's going to be a really amazing adventure with a lot of different activities and and themes involved and so we'll be covering a lot of nature we'll be going to delhi taj mahal kashmir the himalayan mountains lots of different spiritual places around delhi like rishikesh uh, varanasi haridwar we'll also be going to jaipur we'll be checking out the endangered indian bengal tiger in the rantambore national park so it's one of those trips that's got a little bit of everything nature spirituality adventure travel and it's going to be honestly a once in a lifetime opportunity there really is no other trip like this no other itinerary like this happening in india this would be your one stop shop if you wanted to check out a lot of north india so we would love to have your listeners joining us on this trip so that was my conversation with balaji and i hope you enjoyed and if you're interested in learning more about his village tour 
I will post a link in the description of this podcast. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.